Welcome to another episode of Mike Checker, the show where I talk to dope people doing dope things. I got one of my homies on the line. I mean, he didn't dress up on me, man. I I, I feel I I got on pajama pants up under this to be honest <laughs> with y'all. Uh, but he didn't got suited and booted on me. He is a uh, it's not a sommelier, right? Because I know that that's the highest level, right? No, I, I, it's actually a sommelier. There's there's a master sommelier. Master sommelier. Okay, he is a sommelier then. Yeah. He's just not a master sommelier. Not a master. Yeah, that's uh, the one that, that was, uh, that's the hard, that one's the one that is like, what, 100 people in the world or something? Yes, yes. Approximately, I think approximately, don't quote me on the exact number, I think it's around like um, two, like 220, but I think like 240 now. But I do know for a fact there's only two black men. Right, I was just going to say that. And there's no black yeah. women, right? No black women. No yeah, black women. Yeah, so we on. Yeah, we diving in. I mean, uh, graduate. I mean, I mean, a St. Louis cat went to Southern University. Now he's uh, running his uh, champagne wine business. Understanding that whole concept, we gonna get into that. How some of these wines and champagnes we think are popping, they not really popping. And when we buy them, people know that we rookies. And the other people that know what they talking about see us like, yo, let me go and get that. You know that rosé. Like, oh, okay, that's what you want. All right. <laughs> and, and it's kind of exposing that we're only knowing champagnes and wines from 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 rap so my man cornelius corn and anthony man thank you for coming on my brother oh man it's a pleasure it's a pleasure it's been a long time coming man I, yeah I mean, man you was actually supposed to be my first guests people really? like <laughs> wow wow i mean you know Hey, I, I know I, I've, I've, I've messaged you like, man, I got to get a wine in the podcast. I know you got a million of them. Go. I, was like, I don't care. We can talk politics, social issues. No, we, like, I'm telling you, still got to do it. Any, any, anything, man. You know, I'm not just limited to champagne. Champagne is my thing. We, we can we can dive into a, a lot of different uh, lot of different issues. And I, I'm just thankful to finally make it on <laughs> one of the many platforms that you have man. Oh, thank you man thank one of one of one of many more you know you are, you are yeah 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 man. big so brother let's... big brother from another thank you big man i another. appreciate that man let's let's dive into your your history man uh sure. you grew up in st louis where what area you grew up in st louis i mean i know but the people you know yeah yeah well i mean i grew up and i grew up in, in florissant florissant via from you know north north city um um, I guess we would call it the dub. I mean, that's that's where it is for my family. Where I actually went to school. For the people that don't know what the dub means. What, what the dub? The, the dub. The dub is the College Hill area, the area <laughs> of Grand, where the White Tower is at. You know, Water Tower. Family, you know, all over in that area. That's where a lot of my uh, my mom's side was from. Where I spent a lot of time at. Um, my mom was from the uh, was from the dub. My dad was from the JVL. Uh, but I went to school out. Went to school out in Hazelwood. Uh, I went to Hazelwood East. I went to Kirby. And I went to Jamestown. So I got the best of both city city life and county life. So I consider myself a, a chameleon to, to the St. Louis, St. Louis scene. And then you had like a brief period when I mean with like in the like in the middle of high school, you ended up moving to Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was a preacher's kid and um man, second semester of my um junior year, yeah, we wanted to move into Ann Arbor. And so I graduated from high school in Ann Arbor. Um I I, I call it some of the the best and worst years of my life. Why is uh, that? I, um, I hated it, man. I, I honestly, honestly, I, I hated Michigan. I mean, I, I love, I mean, I, I love, went to school with friends that I've been knowing since, you know, elementary school. Yeah. And, um, and you know, to get uprooted, you know, I was, I was playing baseball. Those who know me, I was really, really big in, um, really, really big in baseball in the St. Louis area. And uh, I was getting recruited by a lot of schools and then all that just up and changed. Recruiting then was not like recruiting now. You know, <laughs> well, you couldn't put out no recruiting video and put it on YouTube. Like, Wait, hey, if you man, got I lost, you lost. They don't know yeah, where, you, where you at. Known, 
Yeah, once you gone, man, they like, hey, he ain't here no more. Well, oh, well, well, forget it. Move on to the next prospect. Yeah. Uh, but no, we wanted to, you know, move into um to Michigan. Uh, I will say the best thing that possibly came out of uh, me moving to Michigan was I began to gain a really good relationship with my dad. That's probably the best thing that came out of it. Wow. I, I will okay. say as a high school, at high school, because uh, it was just me and him at first. And I was I was getting in all kind of trouble in St. Louis. And I actually actually I was gonna allow me to stay, but I got in trouble and he was like, now nah, you gotta go. Yeah, you gotta come. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're doing too much. But um, but you know, being a knucklehead, you know what I'm saying, and um being able to move um move up there, actually spend some one-on-one time with him, I be, I began to understand why he was the way he was. I didn't understand it in St. Louis, but I was in so doing so much different stuff. But um, moving to a place where everything is so much slowed down, St. Arbor's really just a college town. All it is is U of M, University yeah. of Michigan. And um, being able to just spend some one-on-one time with him, you know, I began to say, hmm, yeah, I really was the problem. You wasn't tripping. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was really out there kind of bad. Yeah, I was cutting up. But uh, but no, man, but you know, it was it was cool. It was a great experience. Uh, Michigan is a beautiful place. If you ever have a chance to go, um, Go definitely check it out. Uh, Detroit is um, Detroit's a very dear place to me. I, I'm, I'm loving to see the rise, uh, rise of it come back up. Hopefully, it will get back to a better place because it's struggling. It has been struggling for a while, but you know it, it's a very progressive city uh, for blacks. Once you hit Wayne County, all you seeing is us. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's it's us. Um, and so you know, it, it's a place I will say for anybody go check it out. Definitely go check out Motown. Um, the Indian foreign market, you know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful city. Beautiful so city. did you continue playing baseball in Ann Arbor? I did. I mean, I played baseball. I played baseball in high school up there. Um, I actually got recruited. And that's why I went to Southern, Southern University. Um, went down there for that. And yeah, so it was, it was. How was it? Was How was that going to play there? Was these cats like, man, who is this cat showing up like randomly? Or was they like, okay. I mean, I mean, granted, you know, whether it was in St. Louis or Michigan, you know, I, I was used to being the only black. Like I was only okay. black on the baseball team in Michigan, and it did kind of throw people off. But you know, you know, in, in baseball, it does have its stigmas of how black men. Should, I mean, if you black man, you got you got to run fast. You got to be able to, you know, you know, we know you run fast. We know you can play in the outfield. You know, <laughs> we gonna put you in the outfield, man. You gonna run fast. You gonna steal bases. But like, man, I don't wanna do none of that, bro. I just wanna pitch. And <laughs> you sound like my co-host Matt, man. You know, Matt was a pitcher too at Mizzou. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, man. I, listen, man. I ain't trying to hit. I ain't trying to be out there in the field. I just want to pitch. And so once they saw, I pitched my whole life. Once they saw, they were like, black, black kid? Dude. I mean, they yeah. had heard of Doc Gooden, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying even that time. I mean, it's just a it's just the baseball stick. But I dealt with that my whole life, even in St. Louis. You know, I my dad used to have plenty of talks with coaches, man. You know, he's so fast, man. We just you really want to get out there in the outfit. Like, dude, that kid is going to pitch, man. Just I'm telling you, you put him on the mound, he's going to be straight. You put him in the outfit, he's going to be like, la, la, la. <laughs> and he's going to let that ball go over his head. Yeah, go, let the ball go over the head. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's, that was, um, that's what it was. I mean, I, I played baseball until my um, sophomore year um, in college. And I literally just walked off the field one day. I was like, you know what, I'm done. I told I, my I coach, that, so how did you end up at Southern for baseball? Oh, uh, well, man, I mean, Southern is like my family school. Uh, it's just like I'm um, third generation Southern night. Um, and so, you know, my dad had played baseball down there. 
or whatnot for a couple of years. And when I, it was, it was just second nature. You know, it was kind of one of them places. If I knew I couldn't get anywhere else in the country, I knew for sure I could get into Southern. Well, I got accepted to a lot of schools, but you know, I've been going to Southern since I was a little kid. Like going to Bayou Classic, going to homecomings, going to the step shows and stuff. That's always been an intricate part um, of my life. So it was kind of like, you know, I knew that place, I knew the campus. Um, a lot of the people that were working there went to school with my dad or was still there when my dad was there. So, you know, it was, you know, it was kind of like, it was already like home. So it wasn't like, you know, me, you know, I was finally like I'm really, really about to be a part of this, this family. But no, like literally I, I was doing, um, we were scrimmaging, I had got done pitching. I walked over to my coach and said, literally like, looked him in the face and said, listen, I'm done. Why, 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 why were you done? I just was burnt out, man. Like, you gotta understand. HBCU life, like, when you when you were just a college athlete in general, like, that, that's all you eat, sleep, crap, sports. There is no really social aspect. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to do more. Like, my life, 90% of my life centered around baseball, mm. pretty much. And I just wanted to do something different. You know, I, you know, I, I, I got to the point where I had that come to Jesus meeting, like, Am I really gonna go pro? Okay, if I'm not, right. why, am I, why am I really doing this? Am I? Do I want to coach? I will say this though. I wish if I could have changed anything, I probably would have stayed around and tried to um, coach, like get into the grad, become a grad student and coach or whatnot, mm. go the coaching route. But I wasn't thinking about that time. I was. I really wanted to get into. I really wanted to get involved with like stuff that was going on, on campus, as far as like you know, um, student government, which I wound up getting into. Uh, I really wanted to pledge. I wound up doing that, and um, you know, in baseball, and at that time, it, it was my coach went with none of that. But he, oh wow! He, you know, coach Kerr, I was not with the. He wasn't with the. You know, it is baseball or bust. Seriously, that that was your life, straight up. That was really your life. Yeah, are you? And you don't want to go like tri, uh, double A or A ball where you playing? You playing in uh, Rapid City, uh, 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 Michigan, uh, uh, Minnesota. Yeah, Rapid yeah, City Coons. Right. right. <laughs> Ride, you riding the bus and you going through, you going through, um, you know, small town USA. But I mean, you know, you do it for the love of the game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When you going in, you in the Miami. Maybe you league. can look up like uh, and get on Tim Tebow's squad, like uh, Hop Wills with Jordan. They oh. said that them Birmingham Barons got laid out because they said because if you was right, Jordan had to ride, so everybody got the ride clean. <laughs> they said he came in brand new buses. They were yeah. getting like, all that stuff because he was like, I'm used to a certain certain style. We all riding like that if I'm riding. <laughs> exactly. But no, I mean, I mean, I was, I never, I never really looked back though. You know, once I walked yeah. off that field, once I walked off that field for the last time, I was, I was content. I was at peace with it. And I get asked that even to this day, people are like, man, do you miss playing baseball? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't miss it at all. I mean, cause it consumed, you know, when you, you know, it consumed, it consumed you. That was your life. But being a college yeah. athlete, it's not like being a high school athlete. You know what I'm saying? Even in high school, you have some type of life. Yeah. That was it in college. Like class, study hall, practice, six in the morning practice, three o'clock practice, then study hall. You're doing it every day. And I think people may not get that when they look at the dream. Like, yo, I get to see such and such playing football, basketball, baseball, whatever. They don't know that they don't have no life, man. That's it, bro. That's it. I mean, I, that's what I be understanding. When these brothers wild out, I get it. Yeah. But they and when they make bad decisions too because you got to think that you're not getting any of that like going through issues and problems in college with inner you know interpersonal communications you get out there 
you know, some girl to say whatever to you or some guy say whatever to you, you just like, okay, but because you ain't never had no interpersonal conversations. Exactly. I mean, like, like literally, bro, like your, your, your roommate is a teammate. You know what I'm saying? The whole floor of your dorm, like your whole dorm is, is, is a teammates and athletes. So, you know, it's like I said, man, you know, you it, it's, it's, it's for the faithful few. I will, I will say that. Um, I, I just wish that we, uh, we as, as black people, like it's, and I've slowly began to see the stigma now of like, you know, cause I used to teach or whatnot and, you know, seeing, what do you want to be doing? I want to be a basketball player. Okay. Well, let's, let's look statistically. Don't want to kill your dream. I would never want to kill anybody's dream. But okay. If, if basketball doesn't work, what's your plan? But I don't have no plan. I'm, I'm going to play basketball, but you like five, how, six. Like, first of all, how tall are you? Yeah. You five, <laughs> you five, six and 14, you know, it, it you talking about one percent of people. Uh, my boy Javon, he he was five six in eighth grade. And he ended up being six four, but mm-hmm. that's like, that was like the most ridiculous like turnaround. Yeah, like height wise, like ever. Yeah, I mean you, you do you do get a few. Um, I'm trying to think who was Anthony like Davis that? was like that too. Yeah, Anthony Davis was like Anthony Davis played point guard. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Anthony Davis is a, but a, that's the a point fight. that he was a freak. That's why he was a big talent because he could dribble like a guard because he was a guard for so long. And another thing, a lot, another thing that a lot of kids don't understand. I mean, I'm pretty sure they understand it more now than um than when we was in high school. Is that basketball is a globalized game now? Mm-hmm. You know, you ain't just competing against the kids in AAU. You, you competing against you got kids 17 years old playing pro ball in Greece. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's been pl- and, and, and two year vets in Greece. They've been playing <laughs> exactly, and they going against grown men. You know, so it's not you know it's it's a globalized game now. So you have to be you know cognizant of that you just ain't going up against kids at Bashan or you know Cardinal Ritter you know or East Side man you're going up against a kid down in Australia man who was a sniper and yeah. he's been a sniper since 10 you know yeah. and you know what I'm saying and that's just that's just the reality of it but I mean it's, it's so many different I say that to say this is that there's so many different industries um that that lacks us in it that we can be great in just on our pure creativity and just how we are as a people that we really need to um, and put in front of our kids and put in front of just our people in general and see what we can, how we can make changes in it. That's why one of the things that's attractive about being in the, um, in the wine industry is because there is such a, a lack of us in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a serious, serious lack of um, African-Americans um, in executive positions, um, for like for wineries, even a lot of not even a lot of black wineries in general, um, but mm-hmm. even with those who are established houses, like there's a lack of us being at that corporate level, uh, being at that high um, management level uh, for some of these um, champagne houses or wineries or um, or even um, distribution. So you know that's why a person like myself decide to get into it so another yeah so then that's what i'm saying how did you even get in i mean you go from baseball you graduate from southern and how you get into the wines and champagnes well i mean i mean i'll act oh, actually it, it was it was a it was an accident it was <laughs> listen you know how I, I i do i really consider it like the greatest accident that ever happened to me um i got i was a project manager for um for a cabinetry company or whatnot and um, they wound up merging, but another, another company had bought them out. So, you know, my department was the first one to go. All the project managers for y'all, hey. hey we already got we, our own project managers. Yeah, we got our own stuff, man. Here's your severance. 
you know, gotta go, gotta go. So, you know, at that time I was working on, um, even with working there, I was working on some personal projects. And, you know, of course you know, I got my unemployment, did that employment thing, but and I was a newlywed at the time. Trey was like, maybe like two, two or three, my oldest son. And, you know, that, that well was getting to run dry. The employment. <laughs> hey man, it started running dry. They're like, hey, brother, you have uh, three more payments coming. And after that, you're on your own. You go, oh, okay, that's, that's about how many dollars? Okay, I, I gotta make some shape. But uh, but I was like, okay, you know, I, I was already applying even throughout, you know, unemployed. I just wasn't sitting there collecting. I was applying to other jobs. Nobody was hired. Nobody, yeah. nobody. Not getting no callbacks, had interviews, didn't get the jobs, whatever, whatever. And so I was like, listen, you know, I, I gotta do something to provide for my family. I may, may, may not be able to provide as much as I do now, but at least I feel comfortable as a man. No, I'm doing something. Yo, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna apply to a grocery store. Kroger's. I went to Kroger's um, and applied. I wound up getting a call back the next day. Um, not call back, I got an email from them that um actually applied for an overnight position. Cause I was like, man, how can I save us some money? I said, like, if I work overnight, if I work from 12 to 8 a.m., okay. I can interview means, for jobs and stuff at the day. Jobs in the daytime. I can watch train in the daytime. You know what I'm saying? I save us as far as daycare. And, uh, you know, I can work on my own personal business stuff. And so went to the interview, dressed like I am now. I was very overly dressed for a grocery store interview. <laughs> I will say that. Not very overly dressed. Uh, and so uh, Miss Sylvia, she wound up um, interviewing me and she was like, listen, we have a wine steward position. I know you applied for the, uh, the, the uh, overnight position, which I'd gladly give it to you, but I think you'd be really, really good as our wine steward. I, was like, I don't even know what a wine steward is. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I guess I was like, what is that? So you just, you'll be managing and running the wine department. I was like, well, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm with that. So I was like, you know, do I have to wear the blue shirt? You ever been to Kroger? They wear them, them yep. big <laughs> you know, yeah. blue shirts or whatnot. She's like, no, you can dress just like you dress right now. I can wear a suit. She's like, yeah. Yeah, you can wear a suit. That's cool. And so she was like, you we know, like, oh snap, I get this is this is <laughs> it's the business. And I get discounts for groceries. Oh man, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm 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 with it all day. I'm okay, definitely. Uh, I simulate half the price now. I ain't gotta pay pampers, half the price, you know, things like that. But she was like, listen, I'm telling you though, you gotta go through this real rigorous wine training. And I'm thinking like, man, okay. I'm thinking like, okay, I'm just gonna learn about my skews, you know, the wines in my department and, you know, be done with it. Like, okay, it's whatever. But not knowing that, uh, and I still, me and her are still good friends. I thank her all the time. It's, you know, she's the person who opened up the, the wine journey door for me. And, and that conversation is the one that changed my life. And that was six years ago. So, years so ago. they basically, she had you, so you basically had to become a sommelier. Actually, no. I, when I when I started my training, when I started my training. Um, we have a Kroger's here, basically in like the Heights, Houston, and um, that's like the number one selling Kroger's as far as like alcohol and wine sales, wine and beer sales in the country. They average like at that time they were averaging like one hundred and twenty thousand a week in like wow. of just wine sales. Just wine <laughs> sales. Um, my first mentor, um, he was the one who was running that program, Mr. Jaime De Leon. He was the one who was over the wine education um, stuff for Kroger's. And he had class every Monday. 
I remember the first time I went to that man class, the AC was broke. I'm talking about, we was like 30 of us in there sweating, feel like we don't sweat. <laughs> I was like, man. But I noticed though, it was, it was a lot, most of the people there didn't work at Kroger's. It was a lot of just people around the city who were interested in wine. But that's the first time I heard about becoming a song, becoming a song my year. And, um, and he was like, if you're gonna be in my class, you got two, got two rules. One, you can't fail two tests. And two, uh, you got to take quartermasters. You got to become a certified psalm through the quartermasters. And I was like, I thought this was just, you know, <laughs> wine training for Kroger's, man. Right. Just trying- <laughs> you just thought, you was like, well, I'm just, I'm just supposed to just know what red, different or red, no yeah. yeah, you know, I'm, give me the basic information and uh, go about it. And so I told him that. I was like, listen, I don't know if this is like the right place for me. You know, I'm just... I'm new wine steward, you know, at, you know, the Kroger's in Missouri City. And, you know, I just came to learn about wine. He was like, he looked me in my face and said, look, I'm looking at you right now. And I think you can go really, really far in this industry. I don't, I don't, I ain't being sat down and talked about wine yet, but I really believe in you. Some about you, I just believe in you. And wow. um, the next week I took my first quiz, epically failed. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terribly failed. So I went back to the class. I'm like, look, look, Mr. Hyman. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is for me, man. Like, I'm not getting none of this. It's like, I believe in you. Just keep studying. You're going you're gonna to get it. Never failed a test after that. Oh, I went snap. Up, um, I started at Kroger's in um, September of 2016. And um, got my got my junior psalm or intro psalm my year in January 2017, and then I became a certified psalm in July of 2017. Now that gap in between becoming a um, junior psalm and a regular certified psalm usually is like a three year. They usually want you to wait three years in between the two, so you can get experience studying things and that. I was able to accomplish that accomplish that in like a six month difference. Oh so, damn! Yeah, so that that's how rigorous. That's how rigorous. The training was, bro. Like it was, brother. It was real intense. So, like, what's on a test? What's on like a quiz or a test? Like, what is like? Is it like you guys? You got to look at the wine and see the body mm-hmm. and be able to tell. I mean, I know. I, I mean, I, I only know that from the movie Corked. Uh, how this <laughs> goes? Of how they? I guess they look at the body and it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. this has got to be a 1956 uh, Fred Sanford. You know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 1956 yeah. Fred Sanford. I mean, I don't know the wine names, but <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Hey, 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 man. Uh, th- th- I'm gonna be honest with you. The funniest thing is that if you don't know, just run with, just keep going with it, man. When you at a table, hey, just keep running with it. it so I'm like, it, I got it, the f- 1956 red. This is the 1956 red fox. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> Let me try that. So y'all ain't even know that. about that. That was it was yeah, a yeah, deeper yeah. wine See, though. Yeah, that's 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 in the back. That's on the back of the wine list. Right. <laughs> Because most people don't know their wines for real, honestly, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of people don't. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people really. This is the thing I always tell people. Yo, know, a lot of people go to California, which is cool. I love wine country in California. Napa is a very beautiful place, and mm-hmm. definitely should check that out. People go, they go to, they go to a couple houses, couple, couple wineries. They go get on the tour. You know, to go to the vineyards, get to go to the tasting room, try the wines, get to meet the, the winemaker. And then they come back home and like, they just kind of switch. I'm like, man, let me tell you about this Cabernet. Cabernet tastes like this, man. You know, hey, man, you got this, this dark, dark hue to it. it. 
is purplish, man, it has high alcohol. They, they, they just be going. That's on a straight tangent. Uh, but um, going back to your question about the, the test is uh, the first test, the uh, junior psalm test was strictly a written test, uh, 50 questions, uh, strictly written. Um, when you get into the when you get into the certified certified aspect, it comes it's divided into three parts, and it stays that way all the way until you get into the master level. Um, the only difference between certified um, the certified test and the advanced and master test is that the tasting portion is written. You actually have the grid. It's a tasting grid you go through, what? and you decipher the wine. Yeah, it's really it's a piece of paper. You it's a tasting grid you go through, and you basically check mark. By looking at the wines, you get two whites, two reds. You get 20 minutes to um, to break all four of those wines down. Um, yeah, it's like everything from and that's you have to look at it and get this, or do you get the chance yeah. to taste it, or you got to look? Yeah, you, can yeah, you, gotta, you okay. taste it. You taste it. You taste it. You look at it, and you fill this grid out. And at the end, they ask you like, "What's your conclusion?" Um, I think this is 2017 New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. You know. Y'all yeah. saw this is like a chemistry exam, like basically. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, you, you're just you're deciphering, deciphering the wine, and like I said, you have 20 minutes to break down four wines. So that's basically what like five minutes, yeah, five minutes of wine, and you better be on it because once that 20 minutes is up, you gotta put that pen and pencil down. They ain't no, hold on, I'm still right. No, it's, it's a wrap. Uh, you have the tasting portion. <laughs> You have the theory portion, um, then you have service. You have the service exam. Uh, is when you sit in front of, you actually go into like a restaurant, like a mock restaurant setting, and you're basically um, doing service for a master song. He's sitting at him, him or her are sitting at the table and they grilling you, getting grilled. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, I want to try, can you name me um, three Napa Valley Cabernets? Um, you know, okay, I like this Cabernet. You give me another one. Then you got to open up a bottle of champagne, you know, and then pour the glasses and then walk around with a tray and, you know, set them on the table, then pick them up off the table, put them back on the tray, not spill them. Trust me, people spill them all the time. You'll be Ooh. highly, highly surprised because it's all, it's, it's all nerves, man. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like you as a rapper seeing your idol, seeing your favorite rapper and he just rap freestyle right now. <laughs> right in front of the street right now. Hey, how you doing? Freestyle right now. And, well, hold know, on, hold on, man. How do you know I rap? This freestyle. Go ahead, do it now. I want to hear freestyle right now. Yeah. So you know, it's all, it's all nerves. It, it was a, it was a um, very, very stressful. It, it's meant to be stressful. That's why it's the hardest exam in the world uh, because it, it puts you in a stress, stressful environment and um, see how you're going to perform. Because working on the floor, man, it, it is. It's, it can be. It's like that. Uh, on a good Friday night in a restaurant, if you ever, you know, we've all been customers. You didn't see how it is. It's, yeah. It's nonstop, nonstop action. Nonstop is, action. is it, is it, is it because it, is, are you really up there? Cause you have to be so high level. Cause there's certain people may be wanting certain things. Like you, you may most tape, most are you, would you say like 80% of people are just going to kind of go whatever you offer them? Um, then, not, even, not, even, not even that. Most of the time, most of the time. Yeah. Uh, they will. I mean, like I said, everybody's palate is different. So, like, you know, when a person, you may have, like, 10, 10 Sauvignon Blancs, all right, you know, 20 Cabernets. The one question you never want to ask a customer is, like, how much money are you trying to spend? <laughs> you, know, you never ask them. Yeah. You always want to stay in a general um, general price range. You don't want to offer them the, 
the you know the opus one is at a at a, at a restaurant is like a thousand dollars but you also don't want to offer them you know the 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 twenty dollar bottle you know yeah. try to stay within that forty that forty to seventy range and then kind of gauge from there you know as far as picking out um picking out a wine for a customer um but as far as as far as taste wise man I mean the best thing to do is just see what they're eating mm, uh, right what they eat. Um, kind of can give you a direction upon, you know, which way you want to go as far as wine. Because, um, like, for me personally, I see, I drink wine, still wine, a regular wine, more so with food and drinking by itself. I only drink really champagne by itself. Everything else I like to pair, I like to pair with food. Even with champagne, I drink champagne when I go out to dinners, you know, from beginning course to end course. And um, that's one thing I am trying to change the stigma of champagne is that it's not just something for celebratory or you know that's what people try and use it as it's just some hey man i got this new promotion man, go buy a bottle of champagne or you know they use it as a um a uh, a beverage that's used as an aperitif um before dinner or use it as a digestive after dinner but usually typically people don't really drink it throughout the course of a meal and it's meant to be drank like any other wine champagne mm -hmm. is a wine don't tell people that just so no, break that break down that concept of champagne versus wine uh, well, champagne, well, first and foremost, champagne is wine. Okay. Uh, the only difference between wine and champagne is that all, all wine is is fermented grapes, okay? Um, sugar, sugar or whatnot, you know, eats it up and it, it makes it, it ferments it, and that's what makes the grape juice turn into wine, carbon dioxide and sugar. And so, um, and so champagne goes through a second fermentation. That's what carbonation comes in. Um, or the term they use, um, Prisse de Mousse, capturing the sparkle, comes in and um, makes it effervescent, you know, makes it bubbly. Okay. So champagne starts mm -hmm. off as a wine, but then it goes through another fermentation that makes it sparkly. That's the only difference. Okay, okay. So the, the, it's the same, it's the same, this is the same process, it just goes through the machine again right. all the time. Yeah, yeah, it goes, goes through the process. And it has a longer aging process. Like oh, wine champagne is, does. Yeah, wine is meant to be drank. Well, not to say all wine. A lot of wines are meant to be drank very young. Like once you buy, once you, once you ferment it, bottle it, you know, they may let it age for a while, just to let it settle or marry together. But you know, two two years, that baby's ready to be drank for a lot of for a lot of regular wines. Um, champagne, um, the average, the minimum, well, the minimum for like non vintage, which you see in most stores, is is fifteen months. But um, usually most people age, that's the minimum. By law, you have to let, let it age for 15 months. Wow. Most people let it age for two years. But like vintage champagne, like um, Dom Perignon, or you know, any champagne, you see where there's a year on it, that has to at least minimally be um, aged for 36 months. But most of the time, they let that age for five years. <laughs> oh, so, you know, you can't get too many wines. Because wineries, that's how they make their living. You know, they may only have like two or three different... Um, Varieties that they sell, they can't wait five years for a wine to come out like man. Um, press this, age this, put this baby out on the market. Ace. Now, there's also say, yeah. like, if we start a champagne business, we gotta wait uh, 15 months to even get it, even to be able to get it in stores. If you're getting it, it really depends. Like the difference between like um um when you have reserves, you have reserve wines that you have stocked up that you can use um to help get your stuff on the market, but yeah. Like even if you plant, say you start a champagne business from scratch, just mm -hmm. talking about you know being a farmer and you want to start, you really can't do anything for like five years. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you have, really, like you have to plant your vines. You really can't even start pruning, like pruning your grapes um, on the vines for three years. And then you want to wait at least five years so they can grow and develop. So they're mm. ready. So they're ready for you to even start, you know, picking and pressing. Yeah, you just can't, hey, it's just not, it's not like growing a flower. You know, I'm just going to put some seeds in and they're just going to come up and I can pick these grapes and use it. Legally, legally over there, you can't do that. They're mm. not going to let you do that. That's yeah. oh wow, that's ill. So <clears throat> let's talk about the the wine industry for well, particularly with black black people in it. Like how many like do you see a lot of other black people that are some of years and then you know dance some of years and we, well you already said it's only two brothers that are you know masters some of years. Mm-hmm. Um do you see do you I mean obviously I'm assuming you're seeing less as you go up the ladder of ed- education. Actually, um, my good friend Wanda, that was Wanda's last name. She's actually in St. Louis. She's actually, I'm hoping she's actually sitting for a master exam. I got to check with her and see where she's at. But she actually is from St. Louis. She still lives in St. Louis. I got to see where restaurant she's at. Uh, ask her. But um, she's actually up for um, taking a master exam. I mean, we're so you're slowly beginning to see us creep more up, up into that to that spectrum. You gotta understand, like studying for the the master's test. It's like studying for like, it's like studying for like your doctorate times a hundred. Yes. I'm like, I mean, I'm assuming that to get your PhD is easier than this process. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, the, the, the black women are really killing it. I mean, it just be wholehearted honest yeah. with you as far as uh, what I've seen is overall in the wine industry collectively is black women are killing it, man. They, they are, they're, they taking the bull by the horn and, and, and just and just ran with it, uh, you know. We just we just had our first uh, black woman cover wine spectator uh, last year. Uh, my mentor, uh, Miss Julia Cauley, uh, Coney, I'm sorry, um, is um, got um, social influencer of the year from Wine Spectator. Got that award. So black women are black women are are, are really the ones who are really holding it down as far as us, as far as us brothers. Um, you know it's. I don't know. I, think, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I really, I really don't know. I think, I think we're more. We're, I mean, some of us are, are, um, are in the industry. I'm not just gonna say I'm, I'm sorry, brother. I'll just say, in general, it's it's kind of like two types of wine people. You have wine okay. professionals, then you have wine influencers. You know, um, and there is okay. Break down that difference. So a wine professional is, I, I would say, is somebody that, and it's just my personal opinion. This is not. The, 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 the standard. industry standard. <laughs> yeah. And this is my opinion. A wine professional is somebody who has some type of um, certification or accreditation behind their name who's in the wine industry. They work in the wine industry in some capacity, you know, such as education. They work for a distributor. They're a SOM at a restaurant. Uh, they have their own store, you know, things like that. You're, you're actually in the industry in some capacity. A wine okay. influencer is somebody who you may be an engineer and wine is like what you do on the side and you just on Instagram, just talking about bottles. You're influencing your audience to like, you know, drink a certain type of thing or, you know, this is what so I basically like. just a brand ambassador. That it's a brand ambassador. Yeah, it's basically, basically, you know what I'm saying? So there, there's really a difference between the two. And I mean, even, even the term some, like even, even the term some my year is, is so loosely used now. Like I, you know, it's it's it doesn't hold the same um, effect that it did probably like three or four years ago. Because you have people who call themselves sommeliers who 
never taken an exam, but who, who feel like they are, they've been in the industry and they know the stuff, which is, which is fine. Yeah, but that's like me saying I'm a doctor and I can just go do some uh, do uh, uh, operation on you and I don't have my medical degree. Like I've been in enough surgeries. <laughs> I mean, it's like anything in life. And I always tell people this. I always tell people this when I talk to them um, about um, being in the wine industry is that is that if you love it, if this is your passion and this is what you love to do, do to take the necessary steps to get something you don't have to be you don't have to go like i always tell people like if i had to go back and do it over again i probably wouldn't have went through the quarter masters not because i didn't like the program or anything like that but i never personally wanted to be a person on the floor every night you know in a fine dine setting that's just mm -hmm. not my type of vibe you know i probably would have done something like w set which is more educational um it's strictly at my educational um certification okay. at uh Rather than because I, I I didn't have really never had a desire to, you know, be in fine dining. You know, that's just all I knew at the time. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah. mean, I would. So I always tell people, like, you don't you don't have to. They say you have to go to the quartermaster to become a Samayir, which a Samayir is somebody who works. Some Samayirs believe that if you're not working on a floor, then you're actually not a Sam. But there's some master Sams who don't work in the floor. They they run vineyards. They do. They strictly do wine education. So it's a, it's a very broad broad term um, to use. And it's the it's the it's the rock star, it's the rock star thing in the hospitality industry right now. It's just a really cool term. And nobody can ever pronounce it right. <laughs> and, um, I mean, you know, we got yeah. a some oh, a psalm man. You know, yeah, you, you know the rest of the spot. Yeah. So you know, it, it's just a rock star. The rock star thing in the industry, but like I said, it's a, like I said, it's an evolving, an evolving thing. So we're going to um, see more master sommeliers. You think in the future in general, like more people become that, or or is it kind of like they could try to keep it locked down more, or is it? You I think mean, it's going to be able to pass the test. Um, I think that the court of masters, the court of masters is is going through a very um, swift transition. They had, a, they had a scandal a couple of years ago. Somebody um, actually gave one of the master candidates the, um, the answers to the tasting portion. So, uh, yeah, that was a couple of years ago, unfortunately. And, and um, actually, so another master gave somebody that was coming up all the answers? Yeah, gave the answers. Yeah. Gave what well, actually gave them the wines that was going to be. It was, it was like the last part of the master exam, it's the tasting part. They actually just told him what the wines was. So what yeah. was it a reason? Was it was was it what was the reason that they told they told him? Was they friends or was it just like on some like here goes I mean, some I, bread? I, think, I don't I don't want to say incorrectly. I I, I don't know. I don't want to speak you know incorrectly about exactly what happened in that issue. From what I what I do remember was that I think he was one of his students or some in regards to that don't don't quote me oh, that. But it, man. It, so it, he was trying to make his school look good or whatever he's training like well yeah, i yeah. got another master sommelier that came from my school yeah but the quarter master the quarter masters is going through a cultural transition because i personally never felt this way i never even thought about it like this um but you know some some of us felt that some of us blacks felt like the term calling somebody uh master like Thomas Price, first brother to become a master song. You know, they do say like, some of them do say like, acknowledge me as master, master Price. I never saw it as, 
you know, it just reminded me of slavery and took me back to mm, play. I, I was thinking, I was wondering that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I personally, I could see how that could be a issue. I just say for myself personally, I never. Yeah, because if, you, if you're in martial arts and you got a sensei, you like, you know, Master Tanji, you know, or whoever you're training with, or Master John, or. Exactly. So, uh, but it, it became a big deal. Um, and so the, the, the court, and also had some other things going on as well, but the court is going through some, some very, um, some, some basically some come to Jesus moments with itself. And mm. do I think the test is going to get easier? No, I think the test is actually going to get harder. That's what, um, So you think it's going to be less people that are going to pass it? I, I, I don't even think, I think less people are going to even want to take the test because like I said, the stigma behind the name doesn't hold the weight as it did before. Like mm. I said, there's people out here who don't have any credentials who call themselves Samayas. You know, there's people who strictly take WSIT or, you know, um, other certifications who call themselves Samayas. I just don't think that, I think a lot of people are like, I'm not finna go through this craziness just yeah. to, you know, just to call myself a certain something. I can go do it another avenue. I think a lot of people are gonna really just lose the interest behind the stigma behind the court of masters, just all the darling all together. So is there any so after I become a master somewhere, is there any code of ethics for me? Um, there's always a code of ethics. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm saying I'm what I'm trying to say is, can I get in the next Jay-Z video and be like, you know, and have my jersey with, with master somebody, you know what I'm saying? Just trick it out, give me a chain. Oh, I, can I be iced out? You know, like <laughs> um, I mean, I mean like I mean, really do a rock star status, you know what I'm saying? Like where I'm like yeah, I mean, I, I think... That, and let them know, let them know Cornelius is showing up uh, at the spot. Like, you know... Like, <laughs> man, this, I mean, you, you, you got flyers out there that, you know, special guests and that's to somebody. <laughs> be like, be like future in the, uh, future in that one commercial, you know. This yeah, is, this that's is, what I'm saying. And you showing up in some spot in Miami. Like, you know, like, could you blow it out like that? Or is it like a low-key thing of like, you know, this the game, gotta um, know who's in the game. Um, like, could you market say, yourself to a high level is what I mean overall. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really is about marketing yourself. I mean, Dylan Proctor, Dylan Proctor is probably, um, I would say Dylan, Dylan is probably the poster child for black men in wine. Okay. The way most brothers, the way most brothers dress or carry themselves. If you don't know who Dylan Proctor is, go check out the um, documentary uh, song. It's a movie, it's three of them. And he's actually two of them. Dylan's a really, really cool, really, really cool brother. But the way he dressed and carries himself, his swag and all that, uh, he thinks Dylan's from, yeah, Dylan's from Dallas. He's from Dallas, Texas. And um, the way he carries himself, the way his swag is, he kind of, he's kind of like that. He's kind of like the unorthodox, he's like, kind of like the unorthodox version of a song. Okay. Still get the, same, get the same point across, but he's not, a lot of people in my industry are very robotic and, and they lack personality. And you know, you know, we as black people, we you know, we 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 got plenty of personality. He's right, kind of like, right. yeah, he brings all that. Table, you know, and so I mean, actuality, they really like that. I mean, they they it don't be the biggest issue you have to have with um, with doing something that big is is certain certain wines, even champagne houses, don't like their brand being associated with certain type stuff. See what I'm saying? That like what you do, how you market yourself is your business. But if you market yourself and be like, hey man, you know, I got I, I'm I, I'm doing 
I'm doing nothing but biology in the video and you got girls and thongs and you know, all that, they may not want their house, their champagne house associated with things like that. So you have to worry about that aspect. Now you personally do what you do, but you have to worry about, you know, what brand are you representing? Um, why are you doing that? Or they, or they even want that, their stuff associated with that style. That style right, stuff. So uh, uh, explain what wines and champagnes do we as uh, people uh, assume are good, but aren't is necessarily as good as we think they are. <laughs> like, where we okay. like, <laughs> I mean, it's not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say that they're bad. No, I no, mean, but we think it's higher class than what it really is. Oh, okay. Well, well, the first statement I, I would say in regards to champagne, anytime I teach or anytime I talk to people about champagne, the first thing I want people to understand is this very, very carefully every champagne is a sparkling wine but every sparkling wine is not a champagne. And what I mean by that is that you cannot call a, um, a sparkling wine champagne unless it comes from Champagne, France. Like I'm drinking right now, um, Bollinger. Mm -hmm. Bollinger is an IE, which is in Champagne. So this is 100% Champagne. Now when you go to the store and one of them brands that you, we, we and you always joke about is Bel Air. Bel Air is not champagne. <laughs> Bel Air is not even made with the same grapes that are legally used to make champagne. There is no champagne house in Champagne that that makes Bel Air. Now, um, Ace of Spades is 100% champagne. That is champagne. It's made in Champagne. The grapes are Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. I think they use a little bit of Meunier too. Um, but you know, that is, that is champagne. It's costly champagne, but it is, it is champagne. Um, but I always tell people like, you know, when they come and ask them, can I get some Bel Air Rosé champagne? Like, it's a sparkling. That's sparkling wine. That's not, but it's champagne though. It got bubbles. It does have bubbles, but it's not, it's not from it. The rosé is not even made with the same grapes um, that they used to make rosé and champagne. It's not even made in the same method or whatnot but as i can say it's made the same method but the, the grape style the grapes they use is different it's actually made in southeast france and i'm um, in provence so so if i'm at a dinner party or i'm having a dinner party i'm going somewhere i want to impress people with something that they may not even know about so if you're a lady and you got you with a gentleman or vice versa or you came with group people what is some wines or champagnes i could order that would be there that people wouldn't know about but oh snap like they ain't even know you own it, but it's a nice class, but it's not, you know, but people will- Nothing like, costs. Go ahead, I'm sorry. They said nothing, nothing, nothing that's gonna break you cost- Right, but, it, but it's gonna be something different and it's gonna, you know, give you that vibe. Okay, well, I, I would say most most restaurants, um, unless you go to like, you know, a five-star place, they're gonna usually have the same typical brands. Um, I would say, well, one brand I would say, I wouldn't say stay away from, but, it's very cliche to get his Moe and Chandon. <laughs> All right, that's, that's very, Talking very- Talking about old Mo. <laughs> old Mo, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's very, very cliche. So I would say stay away from that. You know, if you want to do something different, uh, that's always, that's on, almost everybody's wine list. You go to a, a, at least a three-star, two to three-star restaurant, they're going to have Moe. Um, I would try like, you know, Tadejay. Tadejay is a really good brand. Um, Bollinger is a really, really good brand. Um, even Vuv, Vuv Clico, uh, which means widow, widow Clico, people who don't know. Um, 
that's a really good. I like Yellow Label. Some people don't like Yellow Label. I love Yellow Label. Yellow Label is, I think, Blue Clico is probably one of my favorite. What houses. is it? What is it? Uh, explain the labels, people. Like Yellow Label. What does that mean? All right. So Yellow Label is, um, it's like that's that's just like their. It's kind of like their brand thing. Like you know, when you, some people don't call it Clico. They don't call it Vuv. They call it Yellow Label because the yellow it has a big yellow label on the cover of it. It says Vu Clico or whatnot. And um, that's just like the, you say yellow label, anybody in the wine issue would know exactly what you're referring to or talking about. Um, actually, the um, Madame Clico, who um, who actually got the name after, she the one who actually started. That's how she separated, how she distinctively branded her wine to make it stand out from the other champagnes. She was like, let's do something different. Instead of using white, we're going to use yellow. And uh, it actually has her signature on every bottle. If you, if you ever get a bottle of Yellow Label, you'll see that red looks like, like some like your kid's chicken scratching. Yeah. Of, of, that's actually her signature. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, it's actually her signature on uh, every bottle. Um, she's she's a very she was a very influential uh, person, and really a rebel. Like she was she was a she was a person not to play with. She was actually probably the first. Actually, she was the first uh, multi-female millionaire in the champagne industry or whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, she, she was that, she was that deal. So my, uh, so I, you know, I'm going to go back to another question. It's something you just brought yeah. up there that I have. So if I became a master sommelier, is it illegal for me to start my own winery business? Like on the back end of that? No, I mean, okay. th- all it is is that you're not, I think the only obligation that you have as a master som is that you have to, um, you have to do certain work throughout the court throughout the year. Like, you know, you may have to go and do uh, a cert, like teach for a certification, like, you know, do like wine education classes. You know, that's that's basically it. That's the only thing you have connection with. It's kind of like doing community service in a fraternity. Okay. You know, you're in a fraternity, you have to do so many hours <laughs> right. of community service to stay active. It's kind of the same thing. So do you have to recertify yourself? So if that after I pass it, do I have to retake it? You know what I mean? Like where they'll be like, no, nah, you got to come nah, up for your five years. Nah, you got to. <laughs> no, nah, they, they, it would be nobody. <laughs> I promise you. Because after you pass it, you was like, yo, I'm yeah, you good. I'm done. Uh, hey, listen, man, when you when you become a master, Sam, you you basically are set. Like you, you, you coming out making at least six figures. Minimum. Minimal. Yeah. Minimal. You can go anywhere. Hey, you, if you ain't paying me a hundred, hundred fifty thousand, hey man, I, I plus can side away. money from doing like, but, yeah, big, plus side like classes and yeah, like doing wine education classes and stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm not finna stay here, bro. You talking about sixty thousand? I'm a master sign. You go, they gonna laugh at that, right? <laughs> Dude, sixty thousand. Do you not know? I spent sixty thousand just getting the just to become a master song. <laughs> so you all know? right, so I, I this gonna be a crazy question for you, man. Sure. All these questions are, I'm a GD uh, person when it comes to this wine stuff. So how ridiculous is it if I show up at with a whole bunch of you and your, your people, it's a Psalm event, y'all hanging out, and oh. I come in with Alizé and Cristal and make me some thug passion. How would I look? <laughs> I'm going to stay away from you. <laughs> I'm, 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 and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to shout out like pot, new drink. <laughs> no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk on the other side of Rome I'm a tick and be like, please put that down. Please. I'm like, you, I mean, you I mean, want the I, peach or you want the uh the passion fruit in yours? I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, to be honest with you. Like, I've I'm a very 
when it comes to wine, because like when like being a being a sommelier, you get invited to a lot of events, you know, tasting portfolio tastings around the city, around the country. So they just pull up every sommelier in a region or area and they try to hit them up like to get them. Yeah. Yeah. Like when they have like um, you have like distributors or whatever, they have portfolio tastings, usually usually in the summertime and then right before um, the, right before like the biggest wine sale season as far as retail is um, October, November and December. They call it O&D. So usually have portfolio tastings right before that time or during that time. <clears throat> let you know what they have, you know on the market or what the price is going to be for these wines um, during that time. So you can basically up your sales or whatnot. So what I would do is that, you know, I always invite, you know, people that's outside the industry just so they can experience something like that, you know, and, and, and trust me, it's a thousand wines there. Okay. Imagine being in a room with a, with a glass in your hand and you have access to drink a thousand different wines. Okay, there is wine etiquette. We we uh, we we should have took a. I hope we took an Uber there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, there is there is there is wine. That's the thing. There is wine etiquette. Everything has everything has a language. Everything has etiquette. Whether you whatever profession you in, yeah, um, is an etiquette to it. Okay, and I have I have to I have to teach people when I take them. Like, listen, there's a thousand wines in here. You're not going to drink all a thousand. Okay, all right, one sip and spit you know you still gonna get tipsy don't sit up here and think you're gonna drink every last one of these bottles because you're not you're gonna be passed out on the floor <laughs> you know you don't want to be that's the thing one you're gonna stand out anyway because we're black not you mm -hmm. but we're gonna stand out because we're black you do not want to be the drunk black person you don't want to be the drunk person at the portfolio tasting period there's always one that happens every time guaranteed is it usually somebody's guest basically huh no, it'd be one professionals too. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It's all like everything's done in moderation. Everything's done in moderation. But I always tell my guests, or people I bring around, like, listen, I'm not really worried about you embarrassing me. You're just going to embarrass yourself. But don't embarrass yourself. Just trust it. Just have etiquette. You know, you know your limit. If you know you've had enough, you're done. Just <laughs> walk away. Walk away and live the fight. So you, I so so I mean, and we talked about it before, and it's something I know people are going to ask about Cristal, like the fall off of a Cristal. Like, what is that? I mean, I, I joke about the third passion, you know, uh, right? Thing, but like, we know that you know they did they pulled themselves away from hip hop. Jay Z and all them basically put up the rip, the 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 uh, the uh, uh, the bad signal to every black person that we ain't messing with Cristal no more. And but I, I, you you always told me that Cristal is not that good of a champagne anyway. To in I, the first I, place. I, yeah, I'm not a big. I, that's that's Louis Roderer's um, prestige cuvee. Uh, for those who don't know, so when you see Louis Roderer, mm -hmm. um, that's their top of the line, top of the line. A prestige cuvee is like uh, equivalent Cristal would be like Dom, or um, Vu Clicos is um, Le Grand Dame, or Balanger's is um, cuvee Annie. It's the it's like that's what they set their house standard with. Like they was and everything put, else is below that. Yeah, everything else, everything else is below that. Like if they had to put their their name on the line, they're gonna put their name on the line on like Cristal. You know, like I mean, I think it's, I think it's an okay wine. It's 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 I like like this. I'm not gonna say I don't like it. I love the story behind it. I love the uniqueness behind it. Cristal is actually the one of. I think it's the only prestige cuvee that actually comes in a clear bottle. That's why it comes in a yellow, um, 
a yellow wrapper around it. Yeah, explain that uh, to people. Explain that to people why that what that that story. All right, so um Louis Roderer, Louis Roderer um was making these Desire for Russia, which I think it was Alex, was it Nicholas? I think it was Nicholas II. Like, don't quote me on it. I know it was for the Tsar, one of the Tsars for Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted, he was very much, and the Russians, right, really like sweet wines. So Kristal originally was a sweeter style. It's not the same way it tastes today. It was not the way he intended it to taste back back then or whatnot. This is like 1870, like 1876 or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he went to Louis Roto and was like, hey, I want you to make a champagne just for me. But he was very, very paranoid, you know, about people trying to kill him, so on and so forth. So as you see, in most champagne bottles, they have a plant. And what the plant is, this is bottom part at the bottom of the bottle. Usually, you know, you usually hold your hand when you're serving, you put your thumb in it, you pour it like that. He's like, I don't want no plant. And they put a bomb in the plant. So (laughs) he's like, no, don't, no, don't make no bottle of no plant. I need a flat glass, like Cristal comes with a flat bottom, which is very uncommon in champagne, and the glass is clear, okay? And um, the reason why it comes with a gold wrap around it is because there's a term in champagne called lightning strike. Champagne is meant to be aged in the dark. If too much light hits it, it infects the integrity of the wine. So that's why it comes with the gold wrap around it. So it, it protects, it protects the wine well, you know, why so it's, it's not really uh, a package and marketing thing. It's no, really it's not a, no. a place. A they, place have to, they, they have to do that. If they don't do that, it's going to really taste like crap. <laughs> because too much light touches it. It messes with the interior. Like, that's what any champagne. That's yeah. why all champagne bottles are like a dark green color or black. Usually you know, most of them are like a dark green, dark green color. And champagne glass is way thicker than regular wine glass. It, regular, yeah, it's way, way thicker. Wait, yeah. wait. Okay. That's just that's really that's really that's really the story though. Um, but he only made that he only, I'm trying to remember when he went public with Crystal. He didn't go public with Crystal until about well, they didn't go public for about 40, 40 some years later. Don was actually the Don Perignon was actually the first um prestige cuvee that was actually made for the marketplace that was actually for customers to buy. So that's why Don P has the name that sticked out there because they were the first to market, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, Don P, well, all right. Let me tell the story about Don Perignon. Yeah, first yeah, all, yeah. This is, people gonna, first, this is educational, man. First of all, he wasn't blind. Um, he was a monk. Um, his name, his name and him himself are two different things. The wine is really has nothing to do with him personally. <laughs> uh, it, it, I, true story true story somebody um eugene mercier who actually has a champagne called mercier or whatnot actually bought the rights to his name his granddaughter married one of the grandchildren of uh, moe shandon so she had access to rights to that name so moe shandon was like we want to come out with a top of the line champagne uh, Robert DeVoe, who actually uh, was their marketing or branding manager at the time, he actually went through the Holocaust and survived. That's how crazy his story is. That's a whole other story. Wow. But it was like, we're going to call our prestige cuvee. So we have access rights to the name. We're going to call it Dom Perignon. And so they started telling the story like, you know, Dom Perignon said, hey, guys, come quickly. We're tasting the stars. So he probably never really, he never really said that. 
Uh, <laughs> they marketed him. They marketed him like he's the founder of Champagne. No, he didn't create Champagne. Um, and you know, they just basically basically put on a whole marketing spill behind his name. Basically, built this image up for him, but he actually had nothing to do with that wine at all, at all, because mm. he was a he he wasn't even a lot. Dom the wine came out. 200 some years after Don Perignon died. Moet Sean Don wasn't even a, a created house. Um, it, it was a created house when um, uh, when Don Perignon was 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 around. He was he really was a monk though. I will say that he was he was a monk at the Abbey of Overlay at um in Overlay, France. But he his influence on Champagne is more of a myth than than reality. He did do some things actually to influence the wine industry, but not the things that he gets um, credit for. The wow, so yeah, yeah, I, they, I thought it was always a monk. That's all I was <laughs> like. Yeah, 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 no, he, he was that though. He, in actuality, he actually hated the fact that um, that champagne, the, the wines that he made exploded. They used to call champagne devil's wine. Mm, right. They call it devil's wine because like the thing people understand is that they used to put yeast in it to help it preserve itself in the wintertime. What they didn't know, say we didn't have say, science and technology back then, is that yeast goes dormant at 50 degrees. Anything below 50 degrees, yeast goes dormant. It goes to sleep. So in the wintertime, the wine is sleep. But when springtime comes, it gets above 50 degrees, it, kind of, it goes to this really chaotic chemical reaction. And so the, the pressure inside the bottle is so intense, it would explode. And they would come, they'd be in the, you know, they'd be down there looking at the wine and bottles would just explode, just out the blue. So like the devil must <laughs> seriously. So that's yeah. why they call it the devil's wine. But he hated that. He hated the fact that his wines, um, his wines would explode. All Don Perignon wanted to do was he wanted to learn, he wanted to learn how to make white juice from a black grape. That's all he wanted to do. How can I make white wine from Pinot Meunier? Not Pinot Meunier, Pinot Noir. And he mastered yeah. that. That's all he wanted to do. That's that's all he wanted. <laughs> but it went it went it went to a whole nother level though. A whole nother level. Man. They created they created they created a whole man a whole. He was blind. He created the founder of Champagne. No man. No, he didn't do none of that. That's all a lie. It's a lie, man. <laughs> They get the, you gotta come up with a story. You gotta come up with a story, man. If, hey, if you gonna lie, man, lie all the way. <laughs> Run with it. Run with it, man. I, I'm telling you. I'm just, I'm just saying. Oh man, so man, we done with our interview section. This is now we got our heads or tails, not heads or tails, uh, this or that. So I'm, you got two options, you gotta choose one of them. Oh man, I always go with the hits, hits. All right, so first we got fresh prints or Martin. Martin. <laughs> you look like you looked at me like fool. What you talking about? <laughs> All right. Next up, Jay Z or Nas? <laughs> Come on, man. It's strictly hip hop. It's whatever scale, whatever you want it to be about. It could be whatever your your look is, whatever which way you look at it. Man, that's tough. I'm a, I I I no because I'm in the champagne thing, so I'm, I'm gonna go. I'll go with Jay. Okay. I'll go right. with Jay. So next up is what TV show character's death affected you the most, or the movie, whatever. Where you're like, dang, they didn't kill such and such. 
wow, that's deep. Um, man, let me think. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Black Judas, Black um, Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I saw how Fred Hampton went. I was like, man, that really? Yeah. <laughs> You're the yeah. second person on here to say that. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just how it went down. I mean, really? You yeah. put stuff in the man Kool-Aid? You can't mess with a black man's Kool-Aid, man. <laughs> like, come on. At least get, listen, if, if, if I'm going to go, at least give me a fighting chance to go. You know? <laughs> Don't don't drug me. It come on. That that's I would I would say that and I also would say uh Queen Latifah dying and set it off was uh, Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That yeah. that was it was a song too. The song did yeah. I ain't wearing so much to say. It was a song, man. The song they was about like day after day. Yeah, yeah, come the on. switches. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> hey, come on, man. All right, yeah. Dallas or Houston. H town all day. <laughs> Not a question. I don't even like that. I'm be real with you. I, no offense, that that was remind me too much of home, man. People it say was, Houston reminds them of St. Louis a lot. Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. Nowhere remotely close. <laughs> ain't there's nothing here, and it's a lot of us here. It's a lot of people yeah. from St. Louis, but it. People ask me all the time. Ask me all the time, like how is uh how does St. Louis compare to Houston? And I'd be like, it's safer. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's safer. And they're not saying that Houston doesn't have its bad spot. Every every city has hoods. Yeah. Uh, it's just know, a it's, different, the hoods are different. It, it's a different yeah, it's just a different type of hood environment. I, I mean, I love hanging out. To be, to be a Simon, to be as you know, suit wearing as I am, you may catch me in third ward. <laughs> I, I don't really hang in fifth ward, that's just too far. But you may kiss me in third wood. I mean, it's just, I'm a type of person. I'm like, you ever heard that um that Jamie Foxx uh, story when uh him and Plies? Yes, when they did yeah. the song. Yeah, when he did the song and all the all, all the all the gamers came up, yeah. Plies running. He's like, you can't be scared of your people, man. I gotta face this head on. You know, I mean, and that's how I am. Like, you know, you you have to be uh you gotta you you'll never understand you unless you be around your folk. Yeah, no, good or that's bad, real. good or bad. Right and different. You got to be able to be around your people. All right. This is uh the uh this come this is the hood wine uh um this is that part. Night train yeah. or Thunderbird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are, you a Sami oh. man. This is a very important uh for 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 uh for our hood section of our listeners. This is a very important decision. Right here. I've had bad experiences with both, but I would <laughs> go with Thunderbird. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can, I'll throw in Cisco too if you want to make it a triple threat match. Oh no, no, I don't do that. <laughs> no, I don't do that. We'll, we'll stick with Thunderbird. It, okay. It, so explain to people that what is nitrate and thunder? Like, how bad is that uh, purification on Thunderbird nitrate Cisco for wines? Um, it's very. It's like it's like the malt liquor one. It's like malt liquor. Mm. I, I well, that's the closest thing I could probably compare it to. It's like the malt liquor of of wine man it's like that's like if you drink um like beer wine you drink crab beers and you go from crab beers to drinking like oe you know like you like Ugh. yeah like 211 reserve like you really trying to kill your insides you yeah. know like are you are you really had a bad day are you must really have it on your mind 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> Something finna go down today. I don't know what's going down, but but yeah. something is. You see somebody with some old E, you like, man. Yeah. And when gonna... I see when I see old E, it's like old E. Listen, if I see a brother drinking OE, I'm gonna be like, listen, do we need to pray? Maybe. <laughs> so it's the like, same thing with Night Train Thunderbirds yeah. system. Same, same yeah. thing. I mean, I mean, you know, the crazy thing about that, you only gonna find that in our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna even find that. You're not even gonna find it, even though it's very that's like MD, like MD, you know, mad dog. You know, you don't you're not gonna find it at Total Wines or um any of the big um wine stores you only find that in the hood only gonna find the hood you know and that's a reason for that yeah 100%. That, that, that's a, there's a reason like you're not even gonna find as popular as um saint eyes or oe is you still only gonna find that in the hood i'm really surprised you only gonna find newports in the hood that's <laughs> who buying it but uh um, you'd be surprised how many uh people other cultures uh smoke newports though on the low <laughs> hey man like days you pill. Why do black people like men thought? I don't know. Correct. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh no. So <laughs> all right. Next up, we got uh uh Napa Valley or uh or um what's the other valley? The, uh it's uh Sonoma Valley. Sonoma. Sonoma? <clears throat> I say I like Sonoma better, uh from the aspect uh well. I, I let me take that back. I say I have to say now because Kiranos is where all the sparkling wine houses are, and um, most of them, I can say all, but most of them are in California, and that's a part of Napa Valley. Okay. Uh, so I would I would say that, but as far as like regular wine, I'm I'm a big Pinot Noir person. So Napa Valley is not a big, uh, it's not a, a Pinot Noir is not a very big widely planted grape in Napa Valley. That's Sonoma. Uh, like Rush River Valley or whatnot. Yep. Specifically, um, I would go as far as steel wine, but like again, me being a sparkling person, I have to go with Napa because that's where Karenos is, and that's where you'll find majority of all your big um, American sparkling wine houses at. So yeah. All right. So these next few questions are St. Louis based. Uh, uh, this is that questions. Oh yeah. London Let's and Sons are Mother's Fish. Mother's. Mother's fish. <laughs> I wish I could have some mother's fish right now. <laughs> you know, they open up one in Clayton, right? What is mother's fish doing in Clayton? Yo, I heard it's popping though. I heard it's super good too. You I bet I bet them Caucasians out there is loving it. They got yeah. some food seasoning. I'm sure yeah. they love it. I, that's awesome. I, yeah. I don't know. When I come home, man. Yes, yeah, it's, it's raw. It's, yeah, man. Because I found about it because I was it, it, it popped up on my DoorDash, man. I was like, in Clayton? I was like, and I looked it up and I asked those people. I was like, no, it's good, man. They said it's official. Hey, one thing, one thing I have to give Mother Fish credit for. They didn't, they didn't open, closed, open, <laughs> closed. They just keep coming. You'll never get rid of them. London is like that, that too. Yeah, listen, hey man, London Sun pops up and always be at the weirdest places. I, like, I thought y'all was here, then they moved. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Saints of the Palace. The Palace? What? Oh, that's tough, Daryl. On what night? <laughs> On what night? So, everybody knows the Saints of the Palace are skating rinks, the legendary skating rinks in St. Louis. Yes. Um, uh, Friday nights, I got Friday's go the palace. Friday's palace. not going to be. But then Saturday and Sunday is Saints, then. Yeah, I would have to say Saturday and Sunday is. I would say like this. 
Saints is Saints was more family friendly. The Palace was like it, it's the uh, it, it can go down. Right. <laughs> it can go down. Remember hottest high school? Oh dang, that was at Palace, wasn't it? That was at the Palace. That's Friday night. Yeah. Friday night, hottest yeah, high palace. school. Man. Um uh 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 north side, south side, or west side? North side all day. Okay, okay. Triple threat match here, man. Another one. New Jack City, Juice, or Boys in the Hood? Uh, New Jack City, Juice, Boys in the Hood. Uh, I'll probably have to go with... I'm I'm going to go with New Jack City. Okay. I mean, New Jack City. You can't give New Jack City, man. For, for <laughs> simple fact. That was the first time and the only time, only time ever in my life if I seen a brother drink champagne out of a straw. Yo, that's the gangster part. That's the most gangster part about the whole movie. Yo, I was like, yo, is he drinking out of a straw? A champagne bottle out of a straw. <laughs> you, you so know, somebody showed up at your event, one of the some of your events doing that. And, <laughs> and But he looked like Nino Brown, though. Is anybody gonna say something to him? <laughs> Are they just gonna? Be- <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm gonna be like, listen, brother, listen. You, you can't drink. It's, it's all about etiquette, man. You know, <laughs> you can't. I feel. You. I think it's dope. I ain't, I ain't gonna lie to you, but I, but, I, it, but it was like the it, 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 it like is with a champagne person would look at that and be like, yo, that's a super disrespectful to that. Yeah, they'll be disrespectful. Yeah, they'll be disrespectful. <laughs> they think it's honestly, they think it's disrespectful to just drink out the bottle. Right, you, right. I'll figure that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just drink it out. That's the thing about like champagne is a is is a luxurious. It's a it's it's associated with luxury, you know, high class. You know, um, only thing they like with champagne bottles you can do is like shake it up and spray it. They they cool. They cool with that all day. I mean, that's what they do for like the uh, the Grand Prix races and stuff. Right, they love right. like popping a cork and taking it to the head. Nah. Ain't, ain't with that at all. But people do it when they celebrate and take it to the head. Like, ah, you know. That's a sporting event. It's a celebration. You just a brother on the street. <laughs> <laughs> they understand at that moment. You just, you just, it's Friday night at the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, no, no, man. No, no, no. Man, Mm-mm. Cornelius, thank you for coming on. Mike Checker, man. Where can everybody hit you up at? Check out everything you got going on social-wise and website stuff-wise. Uh, well, right now, man, you can hit me up on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is c.anthonyjr. Again, that's c.anthonyjr. You can hit me up. Inbox me anytime if you need some um, suggestions as far as champagnes or you need me to come do an um, educational class. Please, we can do it Zoom-wise or I can fly out. Doesn't matter. I'm always open. Yeah, he's uh you were doing you still you want to go back to doing those lives you were doing with different uh, influencers in uh champagne and wines? Yeah, I mean I yes, I, I definitely I took a hiatus because I, I am studying, I actually studying to get my master's champagne certification. And um, you so know, what is the di- uh, what is the difference with that in the regular like becoming a so as a person that's a master sommelier, are they having mm-hmm. a master's automatic automatically in champagne? No, I mean being a master sommelier, like you, it's, it's all wines, um, and I and I love all wines. But my thing, my jam is champagne. And actually, this one to me personally means more than um, being the quartermasters because of it's distinctively in my direct passion, uh, what I want to do. Um, and so, 
Uh, I should hopefully be done by June and July, but that doesn't mean I'm not accessible to do things. I do events all the time. Actually, I got to go do an event tonight um, at six or whatnot. And so I'm I'm always open you know, to do wine education classes and pieces and talk about uh, champagne and bubbles and um, you know help curate dinners or you know if you want to do something fun with your girls uh, or you want to do something fun for your lady or your guy, you just need some suggestions. I'm definitely always available. I just stop posting because that. That's the job in itself. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, you know, the way my schedule is, and um, being a father, um, I had to make a sacrifice in something. And so that's just a sacrifice I made. But I, I'm still always available. I'm always available, always accessible. I'm not totally off the grid. I'm off the grid, but I'm not totally off the grid. Right. You you just you just uh, you just on outside of the grid, not, yeah, not, not yeah, off of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I check I check my messages uh, like once a week. No, I was playing. I check them like every every I check my messages every day. Uh, but um Definitely. I'm always, you know, I try and come home. If you are in the St. Louis area, I do want to promote um, the only champagne bar in St. Louis, and that's Pop. Um, Pop is in Lafayette Square. Please go check them out. Really, really cool. Really, really cool, intimate, um, intimate, small spot. There's where um, champagne selection is phenomenal. Um, great people. The food is good. Um, great date spot or just a place you want to go to um, just get away. It's very low key. It's ducked off. Uh, but it's in Lafayette Square. Check them out. Uh, I always want to give big ups to all the Champagne people um, in St. Louis. But yeah, definitely check out Pop. That is the only, the only Champagne bar in the city. Support them, love wow. them. Okay. Reach out to them. Um, I've been there a couple of times, and they're really, really good, cool people. So please give them, um, give them a check out. Most all definitely. Right. One more time, let everybody know where they can up socially. One more time. So you can, again, you can reach me out on Instagram. Hit me up on Instagram at c.anthonyjr. Again, it's c.anthonyjr. And um, I do have some big things coming up really, really soon. Um, hopefully, hopefully um, I do have some coming in the mail for Daryl next week. Oh, snap. So, yeah. So um, I do have that bottle. I'm drinking it straight out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you a picture of me drinking something <laughs> with a straw. <laughs> I, I'm sure... I'm sure Matthew and them in New York, they, they probably love that. They probably love that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. see, new, brand, new Brandon. I'm like, well, new Brandon. Hey, exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. Or, or y'all take the lower level champagnes and get people to do that. Hey, man, all actuality, man, you know, LaMarca Prosecco, um, the, little, the little 375 bottle, it actually comes with a, uh, a little two-tone, like a baby blue and white straw. They actually want you to drink the straw in it. And that's for the little bottles. But like the big boy, if you got the little long straw, that's cool. When you got the foldable joint down, like, you know, like, yeah, come on. And, and, and hold on, and, you, and it gets to, and, it, and it's not long enough to go all the yeah, way down to yeah, the bottle. Yeah, 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 man. You got it. So like, at some point, you're going to lose the straw because you ain't going to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, bro. Yeah, it, it's going to happen. It's, de- it's definitely, it's definitely going to happen. But no, but I do. Um, I ordered that, ordered that, so it should be coming to um, Sweet, man. you. So if you can, um, you can try it out. You can start, start with the rest of your uh, crew, let them know, hi, I got something y'all don't have. Right. <laughs> and I, I got to put you on the E40s too, man, when you come back oh. in town, I still got some left. Hey, man, hey, that that's that's um, definitely a connection. I'm really trying to um, try to make this, uh, I really want to reach out to, uh, reach out to E40, hopefully, and, um, Talk about doing some, hopefully, some collaborative stuff. Because uh, I know he doesn't have a sparkling. He doesn't. No, he does not. I'd love to um, collab with him on that. And uh, oh, one story, one story. Go ahead, I, go ahead. Before I let you go, is that uh, if you guys ever have a chance, you want to understand the story of champagne and hip hop, look up the name Branson B. 
please check them out. If you if you if you if you listen to early New York, early '90s stuff, Nas, Big, things like that, he's a very popular name. that's in a lot of lyrics, and um, his story. Uh, if you read his interview, he did. It's only one interview you can actually find on the internet about him. Um, he tells his story. It was it was GQ. I think it was GQ, GQ did all the good interviews, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, his story actually, he's the one that put everybody on on you know Chris Style and Moet and um, things like that. Actually, he was the one to actually help get this whole thing that we call bottle service going, um, not only in New York, but around the country. So um, definitely check him out. He has a phenomenal story. I'm still trying to find him. He's like trying to find a, a needle in a haystack. He's a hard brother to find, man. <laughs> like he don't have no social media, no nothing. That's nothing. How, that's, how, that's how you know they're gangster then. <laughs> nothing. So um, definitely check him out, um, brother. Uh, his story is phenomenal and it'll make a lot of sense about uh, to me he, he's kind of like he to me he's like the cool <clears throat> the cool guy that kind of got lost in the sauce because of um, all the big time 90 New York gangsters that was running rampant around that time but he uh, was the one who actually put a lot of actually brought champagne to the hip hop industry um, and all the videos you see in the 90s with people popping Dom and uh, Chris Style that was him he was the one who got them Dang. on that Popping Don and stuff, his dog on Branson. Man, Branson people also he's saying that it was also a weed spot too. For, for, oh. for all my hip hop heads out there, was a oh weed yeah, spot. oh yeah, he was he was the weed, he was the Harlem weed man. Let's just call yeah. it the Harlem weed. Man. When people say I'm going to Branson's, that was the same Br- guy. Yeah, same guy. He was he was the Harlem weed man. He was high class and had a little little underworld ties as well. Underworld, right? but, but he owned, he actually owns he actually owns now his um. He says he has his own champagne, right? His own champagne, um, his own line through Guy Charlemagne. I don't know if it's still active. At the time of the article, it was. Actually, my sister lives in the Bronx. I'm still waiting for her to try and see if she can find it. But I do know that he got out of the champagne thing, and now he does deal with um, with weed. So uh, he does have it's his own. all medical uh, marijuana and legality now. I know he has that going. Uh, I do know that for sure, but trying to find him is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. So <laughs> whenever I find that, brother, that... I, I, I don't care. I got to interview him on the spot. <laughs> no, I got it. I got to get that done. To, to me, he's a legend. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know if he even sees himself as a legend like that in, in regards to champagne, but I see him as a legend, you know, and um, that's a, to me, he's like, you know, he said, what's their unicorn interview? Yeah. Yeah. To me, that, to me, that's like, that's, that would be my unicorn interview. Dang. You know what I'm saying? Well, man, Cornelius, thank you for coming on my check-in, man. I appreciate it, my brother. It's a pleasure, man. Stay safe, stay blessed, man. And, you know, as always, drink some good champagne.